They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you very much for joining us, the Bible with the Barbers. And I wanted to mention that Mary Danielle has a Bible study every Tuesday night here at the Sacred Heart Chapel at 7 p.m., and then she does it again on Thursday for those who don't want to go out at night at 1 o'clock. Is that one correct? In the afternoon, that's correct. And uh, we'd love to have you come to our beautiful Sacred Heart Chapel. We're making all kinds of improvements there. But today, Mary Danielle, we're with, with the uh, Gospel of Mark. Is it chapter 3? Is that where we let off from last week? Well, in the Gospel of Mark, but the, the reading for today. Oh, let's do yeah, is, let's do the reading for today. Today's Gospel is from is it, Mark, uh, just also from Mark. Yeah, coincidentally. <laughs> we're reading the Gospel of Mark right now Good. for the daily readings. Yes. Uh, chapter 3. Yep. And um, the the gospel passage is, the mother of Jesus and his brothers arrived at the house. Standing outside, they sent word to Jesus and called him. A crowd seated around him told him, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. But he said to them in reply, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those seated in the circle, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And oftentimes in our day, people tend to think that um, Jesus is putting his mother down. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because what does he say? He says, he who does the will of my father. When the angel comes to Mary, what does Mary say? She says, let it be done to me according to your word. Mm -hmm. She is completely conformed to the will of the Father. She is so conformed to the will of the Father that the Father is able to work through her to bring about the salvation that he had planned for all eternity. And, of course, that's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, um, who is three in one. He is one God, three divine persons. And so Jesus is not putting Mary down. That's not a put-down to Mary. He's saying, if you want to know how to do the will of my father, look at my mother. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because Thomas Aquinas had, um, and of course, again, brothers and sisters and the whole discussion about, well, you see, obviously Jesus had brothers. Well, again, the Aramaic, no, there wasn't the distinction. And these the people who are actually named in the Gospels as brothers of Jesus had other fathers than Joseph and other mothers than, than Mary, the mother of Jesus. So... We've talked about that before in the past. But um, the church reminds us that the Blessed Mother, in the course of her son's preaching, received the words whereby, in extolling a kingdom beyond the concerns and ties of flesh and blood, he declares blessed those who heard the word of God and kept it as she was faithfully doing. And that's in Vatican II, Lumen Gentium 58. And so... Our Lady is faithfully keeping this. She receives these words as a confirmation that what she is doing is right. This is, yes, this is the correct path you have chosen to do the will of the Father. And St. Thomas Aquinas comments on this also. Our Lord then is also telling us that if we follow him, we will share his life more intimately than if we were members of his family. And Thomas Aquinas says this, that by saying what he said, Jesus 
points to the fact that he had an eternal generation and a generation in time. He was God from all eternity, the Son of God, begotten, not made, generated from the, from, you know, with the Father from the beginning. So he has an eternal generation. But at the same time, he took human flesh in his mother's womb at a specific moment. The human soul of Jesus Christ did not pre-exist the moment of his conception in his mother's womb. It came into existence at that moment when God created it. But So he has this generation in time. But he gives preference to the generation from all eternity. The most important generation is his being the son, the eternal son of the Father from all eternity. So those who do the will of the Father reach him by heavenly generation. Everyone who does the will of the Father, that is to say, who obeys him, is a brother or sister of Christ because he is like him who fulfilled the will of the Father. Jesus came in obedience. You know, sacrifice and oblation you sought not, but a body you have prepared for me. Holocaust and sin offerings you took no delight in. Then said I, behold, I come to do your will. It's in the book of Hebrews. Again, I recommend you read that that letter to the Hebrews. Very powerful. But then, in addition to becoming brothers and sisters of him, by doing the will of God, Thomas goes on to say, but he who not only obeys but converts others begets Christ in them and thus becomes like a mother of Christ. So we're brothers and sisters when we do the will of God. We're also his mother when we share the gospel with others so that that Christ is begotten in them through the word that they hear and then they are brought to faith. It's so biblical when uh, the Bible talks about if you love me, keep the commandments. Exactly, exactly. And so... It seems to me, you know, to do the will of God, it's also included on a practical way. The Vatican II Council talked about the universal call to holiness. Absolutely. And we're fulfilling God's will as long as we're being faithful to our duties in our state and life. So, so many times people ask you and I on the phone, how do I know if it's God's will? How do I know if I'm doing God's will? Well, real clear, are you fulfilling your duties in your state and life? When you're cleaning the house and the bathrooms, you're actually... Um, doing God's will. Exactly. And I think sometimes we forget it's those simple tasks. Right. We're thinking something bigger. Right, right, exactly. And and, and again, like fanfare, we, we tend to look for the, the spectacular. We want the fireworks. We want the orchestra to play. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and the reality is it's, it's in the simple, quiet um, doing of our duty moment by moment. And would you also say, Mary, that you just said quiet, that maybe the world we live in is so noisy that a suggestion here at the Bible for the Barbers is at least uh, during the week, go before our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament a couple times a week and just listen. Absolutely. Isn't that a good idea? That's a great idea. That was Pope John Paul II. He said that the world and the church have great need for Eucharistic adoration. Mm -hmm. And he said, go before our Lord and, and receive from him. Receive from him. Let him gaze upon you. Jesus is there in the Eucharist. Let him gaze upon you and fill you with his love. We need that silence, and we are. We're, you know, we can drown Jesus out. We, yeah. we knew a very good priest, Father John McKenna. He died oh, yeah. years ago. Holy he man. was holy man. He was the chaplain um, at St. Francis Hospital in Linwood, California, and he had 
become a priest because of Padre Pio. Well, back up. Let's let him know that when he was in World War II as a GI, he went to San Giovanni Rotundo and he served Holy Mass for Padre Pio. And Padre Pio, after the Mass, and talk, said to him, you know what, young man? You're <laughs> called to be a priest. And Father McKenna says, well, Padre, hey, wait a minute. I'm a catcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be a priest. Well, he ended up becoming a priest, and he's right in our diocese, and we had a lot of contact with him, and he loved Padre Peel. But I just want to, he used to always say, it's the Mass! It's the Mass! It's the Mass. And he infl- influenced us in a very positive way. Yeah, he did. And he would, he, 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 he led Padre Peel prayer groups, but oh, I used to go. Father McKenna was the chaplain at the hospital, and my father used to go to Mass there. That's right. Every day, because lived, I lived in Linwood, I grew up in Linwood, and sure. that's where my dad would go to the 6 a.m. Mass so he could get to work on time, you know, and, and still go to Mass. Yes. And my, Father McKenna said that Mass every day at the hospital, and, and they decided to put in, you know, that piped-in music. Yeah. And he said, noise, noise, noise. We're trying to drown Christ out. We're surrounding ourselves with noise so we can't hear the voice of God. We need to turn off the noise and and listen. We have to listen. So, yes, absolutely go and make Eucharistic Holy Hours. And by the way, this Friday is yeah, First Friday. I was Friday. just going to say that. You there are parishes. <laughs> Sacred Heart Parish here in Covina will have Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament with Exposition. Um, I think St. Louis de Marillac in, in Covina also. So yeah. they're checking your parish. And if your local parish isn't having an exposition, you, you know, come, you can come to another parish for exposition. There will be exposition of the Blessed Sacrament all day. And we need, when the Lord is exposed in the Blessed Sacrament on the altar, there always needs to be someone there with our Lord. And this is never a pro- to leave him alone. Yeah, never right, leave him alone. Exactly. This is a politically incorrect statement to say here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Are you ready? Yes, even turn your smartphone off. Uh, when you go to make adoration or, you know, all electronics so that you can stay focused because this uh, addiction here, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it while we're on the, on the radio every day because people are emailing me, texting me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's a time and place for everything, but um, maybe it would be a good idea to just have a little less FaceTime on the computers because since uh, statistically they just put out the statistic that over half of your time that you're awake you're looking at a screen. Wow. I think that's a little extreme. That's a lot extreme. And and like that, the reality is, are, are we generated from heaven? If we're going to be generated from heaven, then we need to spend time right. with heaven. And by the way, heaven is where God is, right? And so, God's word is a great thing to be studying. Absolutely. So, and, and I understand a lot of people do use their smartphones and things for their prayers. They have their prayers oh, on absolutely. them and they, they have them in, on in church because they are reading the prayers that sure. they have on there or they're reading the scriptures and but 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 not for the don't let it distract you from being with our lord if it's an aid to being with our lord okay but if it's if you know be honest with yourself you know is it distracting you from actually being with our lord and spending quiet time with him so that you can be generated from heaven so that you can have that share with the son of god we need to spend time with him if we're going to be like him we have to know him and if we're going to know him we have to spend time with him so that's our love letter yeah it's a love letter so if you don't read it you don't get the love no you know what that's true cuz there's graces in reading the bible there are graces in reading the scriptures and the scriptures I heard are somewhere that it, it's true you heard that somewhere i heard that somewhere somewhere hey when we come back from the break we're going to get back into our gospel of uh, mark bible study here at the bible with the barbers We're honored that you're taking the time to study the Word of God because the benefits are out of this world. Because the last time I looked, there was no expiration date on that book that we're studying. We'll be back with more 
Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) I made it. I'm a popular guy around here. (laughs) You never know when that phone call is going to come in. That's right. All right. So we are in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mm -hmm. In those days... When again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come a long way. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these men with bread here in the desert? And he asked them, how many loaves have you? They said seven. And he commanded the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and set them before the people. And they set them before the crowd. 
And they had a few small fish. Mm -hmm. And having blessed them, he commanded that these also be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he said to them, and he He sent sent them away. Mm -hmm. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and they went off to the district of Dalmanuth. So here we are. These people have been following Jesus, Mm -hmm. and they have nothing to eat. And if he sends them away, they're going to faint on the way because they have nothing. Mm -hmm. Interesting that some modern scholars would like to say, oh, this was an an instance of generosity. generosity." Jesus is saying they have nothing. He knows who they are. And these people have been with him three days. Right. You know, nowadays we have convenience stores on the corner. Right. We have, you know, we have our little refrigerator bags or insulated bags and our, you know, portable refrigerators, and we carry our stuff with us. It wasn't that easy in those days to carry food with you that was going to last, and it wasn't always easy to just obtain food. So, you know, sometimes we read these things and we read them with our mindset, or we we impose on we we write. What do you say? We kind of write into the first century our own conveniences that didn't exist back then. So they don't have anything to eat. And Jesus asked his disciples. And again, he's he's testing the disciples. They need to trust him that he will provide and that he can provide. And again, Jesus, he does this. He's not trying to wow the people. This isn't about wowing the people, okay? In the first instance... The multiplication of the loaves in, in Mark six thirty four, Jesus says he pitied the it says it says he pitied the crowd and Jesus says because they are like sheep without a shepherd. So he looks at the crowd and he sees them as people who need to be taught. So he feeds their body. Yeah. But food doesn't teach us. They're sheep without a shepherd. Right. They need someone to show them the way. And it's not the food that shows them no. the way. But you know what? We do have a body, right? and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. God made it. And, and Mary, that's why the church is the extension of Jesus today, right. teaching, governing, and sanctifying. Right. right. And so when we see, and I'm not getting off on the topic, but when we see problems in the church, it's because we forgot to teach, govern, and sanctify. Right. And we need to pray. You know, the lay people in the church, we really have to pray for our bishops and priests. I remember a friend of uh, of ours years ago, Gary Beard wrote oh, a yeah. book called A Cup in Time. Oh, yeah. And and it was a, he actually, it was, he said, I didn't write it. I had a series of dreams. He had a series of dreams about Carpus. Uh-huh. And Carpus was the priest to whom, mm-hmm. in whose hands, I guess you would say, yep. the miracle of Lanciano took place, the miracle where the Eucharist turned to the flesh and blood of our Lord and right there on the altar. Yep. He was doubting. You can the, see it today. And, and it's still there, yes. It's still in Lanciano, Italy. You can go see it. And in the beginning of that book, um, Gary, as he's writing the book, he has he, he kind of takes Carpus on a time warp. Carpus was, you know, a couple centuries after our Lord. And then he takes him back to the first century up in Gaul where Longinus is the centurion. And Longinus is watching this battle go on between his Roman, you know, troops and the 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 people that the hordes of um, the others that they're trying to keep from invading the territory that Rome had taken. And and as he's watching, he realizes that one of his centurions has betrayed him. So he picks up a handful of spears and he rides into battle and he rides into battle. And, and it, the way Gary wrote this, I thought this has got to be inspired. 
as he rides into battle, he's not just throwing his spears randomly. He's picking off the men who are barking out orders. And it just, wow, it was like this light came on in my head. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're in the church. We're in a battle. Satan, the enemy, the one enemy. We all have the same enemy, by the way. And even if you're on his side, he's only trying to take you down. He only wants to punish you. He only hates you. There is no love in him. He hates you. And he's he wants to take down the church. So who's he taking down? He's throwing the spears at the, the men barking out orders, at the bishops and the priests, at the Holy Father. He's constantly attacking him to take him down. If he takes down, you know, if he gets the Pope to make a, a, a false statement or, or to, to commit a sin that's public and, and um, scandalous, it scandalizes the whole church. You know, if he can get a bishop to fall, he's got a diocese. If he can get a priest to fall, he's got a parish. If he gets me to fall, you know, yeah. maybe my family might notice. They might not. So... What what are we supposed to do? If we're in a war and we're all soldiers in the war, you know, it's kind of like the game of chess. And I didn't realize this. Yeah. St. Teresa of Avila loved to play chess. And I think someone said St. John of the Cross. And St. John, why? Because chess is very much like our life. You know, you have your king and your queen. Yeah. And you have your bishops. Very Catholic. And your rooks. Yeah. And you have your pawns. Right. And everybody is supposed to defend the queen. Right. The queen is the most powerful piece on the board, by the way. The queen is the most powerful piece on the board, and everybody is protecting the queen, but mostly protecting the king, right? Because everybody wants to save the king from being captured. Mm -hmm. And so this is what it's like in the church. We are supposed to be protecting our generals. We're supposed to be protecting our lieutenants and our captains from falling. We're not supposed to be sending our priests to Las Vegas every month or so. We're not supposed to be sending our priests out to movies and, and giving them all kinds of fancy dinners. We're supposed to be having masses offered for them. We're supposed to be sacrificing for them. We're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to be taking those fiery darts. You know, when, when the enemy comes into battle and starts shooting at our, at, our, at our commanders, we're supposed to take the enemy out. But of course, in a spiritual battle, that means prayer. We need to be in union with Christ. We need to be living in the state of grace and then challenging our priests to preach the truth and to live in the state of grace and to give us only the truth. And so we want, you know, yeah, when there's troubles in the church, it's because the, the, the hierarchy is usually not being faithful. But the laity, we need to wake up because we live in a world where we're being boiled to death one degree at a time. Mm -hmm. You put a frog in water, cold water, and then you start raising the temperature of the water one degree at a time, you can kill the frog. You can boil it to death and it will never know it. And the same thing could happen to us. We live in a world where the world is constantly trying to get us to think that we have only a finality in this world and that we don't have a finality. It's trying to keep our eyes from heaven, our eyes off of Christ. We need to put our eyes back on Christ and we need to look ahead to our eternal goal and we need to absolutely make the resolve. I will not live as if I have a finality in this world. I need to live as if my finality is in union with Christ because that is the truth. That's the absolute truth. Our finality is with Christ. And so when we see these troubles in the church, we have to follow the example of the apostles here. They took their seven loaves and their couple of small fish, and they gave them to Jesus and then distributed them to the people. And, you know, you might feel kind of stupid. I mean, if you were one of the apostles, here you are, you've got, you know, over 4,000 people here, 
And you go ahead and you start distributing these seven loaves and you're thinking, you know, we're going to run out of bread pretty, pretty quick. quick, you know. But the Lord said to do this, so we're just going to trust him and, and they do it. And there's enough food there for everybody. And not only is there enough food there for everybody, they gather up the fragments afterwards. They gather up the fragments and you've got seven baskets left over. So, you know, their little seven loaves and a yeah. couple of fish didn't fill seven baskets to begin with. So our Lord has provided not only abundantly, but in this case, he provided because of the people's perseverance. The first case, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he wants to shepherd them. And that's what we have to pray that our shepherds today will do. We are like sheep without a shepherd. We live in a world where there's a culture of death, a culture that says, you know what? Your life isn't worth living, really, because you have nothing but what's in this world and what a miserable life it is. So why don't you just you know, check out? And there have been teachers, unfortunately, who have told high school students or junior high students to do that. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, if that same teacher had said, look, you need to go out and fight for life. You need to go out and defend the unborn. That teacher would have been fired in a second, in a heartbeat. But they can tell the kids, well, you know, your life's not worth living anyway, so psh, why not check out? Well said. Which is a lie. Well said. And Mary, the miracle that takes place here in the multiplication of loaves, I think sometimes... Uh, there are people thinking that um, it's, like you said, the generosity of people. But G- it, one of the reasons Jesus is God is because he can do miracles. Right. And I think he's still doing miracles today. Right. 2,000 years later. Think of the miracle that we get when we go to Holy Mass. Amen. Amen. What does he do with bread there? Exactly. And he turns, he takes bread and changes it into his own. He takes bread and changes it into his own body, blood, soul, and divinity. His risen, ascended, glorified body. And this is Pope John Paul II said, spend time with our risen Lord. Where are we going to find the risen Lord here on earth? In the Eucharist. It is the risen Lord. Taste of heaven. It is a taste of heaven. Absolutely. He's there. And heaven is where God is, and he is there in the Eucharist. And and I'm just going to say this because I want to inspire you, our listener. You want to get close to Christ? Spend time before our Eucharistic King. Bishop Sheen did 60 60 years of holy hours every day. A busy guy. And I try to make a daily holy hour every single day. I'm a busy guy. I do it in the morning. Why? Because I want to be like Christ, and I want to get to heaven. And I need all the graces I can get. And through the sacraments, confession, and the Eucharist, they're intimately tied together. In this Bible study right now, we're talking about the miracle of the loaves. And when we come back, we'll continue and go further in to the Gospel of Mark. Mary Danielle, you still have, and those who just tuned in, we have a Bible study tonight. You do at 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. We'd love to have you come. And if you can't make the evening session... You're you're perseverant. You come back on Thursdays. I get to see you on Thursdays at 1 o'clock, an afternoon Bible study here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. And if you want to do this, you have friends who say, I want to start a Bible study. Well, and they're too far away. Take it. Just have the podcast from the Bible with the Barbers. Have them listen to that once a week, and they can even just stay home. Maybe there's somebody who just can't get out because of the circumstances they can at least listen to the podcast at any time. Matter of fact, you can listen to any of Virgin Most Powerful Radio's shows mm-hmm. on the podcast without much effort. And I want to make sure all you people know that we have a new app. Get rid of the Terry and Jesse app. If you still have that, cancel it and get the Virgin Most Powerful app by 
going to your app store on your Apple or your Android and uh, update that because it's important you get the latest and the greatest. We'll be right back with the Terry and Jesse show with the Bible with the Barbers. I did that last hour. God bless you. We'll be right back with more from reading from the Gospel of Mark. listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about Hands-On Apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of Hands-On Apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m. right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So welcome back. And so the so continuing on, starting in verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Mm-hmm. Truly I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them, and getting into the boat, again departed to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they discussed it with one another, saying, We have no bread. And being aware of it, Jesus said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? 
Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke five loaves for 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Refreshing your memory. Yeah, refresh my memory here. They said to him, 12? Uh Yeah. (laughs) And seven for the 4,000? And how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said, seven? And he said to them, do you not understand? It's interesting here. The Pharisees are demanding of him a sign. Well, let's see. Now, um, he's cured the lepers. He's driven out demons. He's um, raised the dead. He's uh, fed the th- fed thousands of people with nothing. And um, what sign are you looking for? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> this is, you know, it, we can get caught up in this too today. I, a lot of people are kind of uh, Christians are um, sitting around on their hands. Matthew Kelly makes this in point in his book, "The Biggest Lie in Christianity." or something to that effect. But anyway, he, that we're kind of sitting around on our hands waiting for Jesus Christ to come in the second coming and kill all the bad guys, you know, and take the rest of us to heaven. Well, well, wait a minute. Stop. You know, if we're supposed to think humbly of all others as superior to ourselves, uh, who are all the bad guys? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm the bad guy. Right. If Jesus comes and takes out all the bad guys, where am I going to be? So we, we need to we need to be really aware of the fact that, you know, Jesus has given us a lot of signs of his presence. And he continues to give us signs of his presence. And the Pharisees had hardened their hearts against him. He wasn't what they wanted. He wasn't what they expected. And is it the same in our life? It's like, Lord, I wanted to be a rich millionaire. I wanted to have lots of money and a comfortable life. And how many of us are just pursuing a comfortable life and lots of money and actually looking for our security in that uh, cushion of having wealth to surround us? And that's not the security we should be looking for. The saints gave up everything to follow Christ. Right. And by the way, that's not just, that wasn't just the religious. The, the, the saints, many of the saints served. They, they all served the poor out of their means. Now, if they didn't have anything to serve with, they, they believe me, they shared what they had, what little they had. But just the reality that we can get so caught up in the things of this world that we forget what it means to follow Christ. Just as the Pharisees were looking for some big sign, well, what big sign are you looking for? I mean, what more did he need to do? He'd worked all these miracles, and God is still working miracles. And the greatest miracle that he ever worked was to take the bread and the wine and change it into his body and blood, and then remain, you know? The greatest proof of his divinity was when he actually rose from the dead. And and the point was, no sign will be given. And it's interesting, because in the parallel passage in the other Gospels, Jesus adds, except the sign of Jonah, <laughs> which was what? Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. That's right. The Son of Man will spend. And so even the resurrection is not going to convince the Pharisees. When he rises from the dead, then... Even that they reject. So they've seen plenty of signs and they've rejected them. And so when we're asking God for a sign, we need to be careful because it may just be that we're, we're like the person who's saying, you prove it to me. And we're testing you. Yeah. And, and don't do that. No. We don't need to test God. God loves us. He wants us to have his grace and his mercy. He wants to pour it out upon us in abundance. Mm. But are we asking for it? And are we willing to accept what he gives? And are we willing to do what he says? Are we willing to obey? So they'd forgotten to bring their bread, and they're thinking, you know, and Jesus says, beware of the feast, the east, the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What is he referring to? Well, the Pharisees, the leaven of disbelief. God has sent his Messiah, and they're refusing him. They're rejecting him. 
They refuse to believe God. And this leaven is going to spread throughout Israel, and it will be the destruction of Israel as a, as a nation. Because the nation of Israel was to serve the Lord God and to accept the Messiah when he came. And now their leaders are rejecting him. And what is the leaven of Herod? Well, Herod, Herod makes his own morality because of his ambition in this world. He has a worldly ambition. And he decides, I can marry my brother's wife because that, that's going to fit into my ambitious project. And so he gives up following the commandments for the sake of his own ambition. And so again, the leaven of Herod is the leaven of immorality. And are we be a, being affected now by the leaven of disbelief and the leaven of immorality? Do we believe that God has the power to free us from sin, that his grace will rise us up? Or do we believe that the gospel is an unbearable burden that's too heavy to bear? Mary, Mary I got to interrupt you because you're nailing it right now. And what I mean by that is in our culture right now, even in our church, there are those individuals that say exactly what you said. There's there's not enough grace for me to remain faithful yeah. in my marriage. I'm just, I need to get on to another girl and I, I need a, a, a regular union coming in. And uh, that's just how it works. And unfortunately, um, we have lost that sense of uh, what we call actual grace yeah. where you call on the sacrament to help the individual stay faithful to their spouse. Right. And I think we need to hear that more often rather than saying, oh, well, um, let's go to uh, see if we can get an annulment going here. <laughs> right. No, I mean, that, and, I, and I'm not trying to be funny. It's no, a fact. It's I get too tragic. many calls like yeah. that. No, and absolutely. it's sad that let's go back to the Bible basics Amen. regarding the sacraments Amen. because there are, the graces are there. We have graces to ask for them. And unfortunately, many people are denying that that's even possible. And I'm here to tell you with my wife, they're wrong. And that the Catholic Church's perennial teachings are right regarding marriage and the sanctification of the couples. Right. And that's you have to call on the grace of the sacrament. And that's what the renewal of the vows is about. Mm -hmm. You should renew your marriage vows, renew your baptismal vows daily, daily. Yes, I said daily. And it's, it's just a matter of saying those words over again and thinking about what they mean. You know, in, in the marriage vows, we, we say, you know, I take you to be my husband. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, sickness and health, richer or poorer. I, I will love and honor you all the days of my life until death do us part. This is, you know, permanent, indissoluble, um, one, I, I'm faithful to one spouse for my whole life and it's open to life. And it's we can, simple. It's real simple. Hard to live. It is hard to live. And when Jesus told the apostles the teaching on marriage, they're like, well, then it's better not to marry. What did he say? And Jesus said, you know, this, for the, it, it, it's been, it, for those who've been called to it, they'll have the grace. Yep. They'll have, but you ask for the grace. And the same with your baptismal vows. I renounce Satan. I renounce sin. I renounce the glamour of evil. I believe in God, the Father, the Son, and that the son became man and he was born of the virgin and suffered and died and rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the father and will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body. And you renew those vows every day and call on those graces. The grace is there. The gospel can be lived. It wasn't any easier for the first century Christians living in the pagan Roman world. And they were living in a world where debauchery and paganism was rampant. And, sure. and, as, the, and as, the, as the Roman Empire 
fell and crumbled, the debauchery around them became more intense and worse. And so, yeah, it looks pretty bad. It looks pretty bleak. But you know what? God is bigger than us, and his grace is sufficient. It's sufficient to carry us through all the trials of this world. Mary, I just want to add one more thought, because the way to get to the point you're talking about is living in the presence of God. Absolutely. That's the basis. Yes. And that when and when God is with you, yeah. who's against you? Exactly. That's right. And that's what the, you know, if God is for us, who can be against exactly. us? And that, that, that the basis, you lay that basis. I will do the hard mental work of living in the presence of God. Instead of allowing my imagination to take me to all the worst possible scenarios that could happen in every situation that comes up, instead of saying when my car breaks down, oh, the devil broke my car down because I was going to this spiritual conference or, you know, whatever. No, God, the hand of God is there. God is good and he knows what we need. And we need to turn to him and we need to trust him and we need to ask for his grace. And his grace is sufficient my grace is sufficient for you. And he will give us the strength to live out the commandments, to live out the duties of our state in life, and to be faithful to our vows, whether they're marriage vows, priestly vows, religious vows, or if we're even single people in this world, God gives you the grace to be chaste. We're all called to live a life of holiness, a life of chastity. We were all, in a sense, espoused to God at the moment of our baptism. So our first spouse is God. And then it's he who calls us to a specific vocation, either marriage or religious life for for young men, the priesthood, or single life too. There's not not everybody gets married. There are have always been those people throughout the world who never got married. And they too are called to serve the church and build the kingdom of God. And that's what it's about. But we have to trust the Lord. And are we are we allowing the leaven of disbelief and the leaven of worldliness and fleshly desire that was the leaven of Herod to invade our souls so that we no longer believe that the grace of God can help us to live God's commandments and be faithful. I'm hearing you say the secular humanism undermines our faith. Yes. So we have to be careful what goes in our eyes. In other words, what we read, what we watch. Our ears too. Our ears. Yes. Why? Because that's going to affect us. So that's why doing a, a Bible study once a month, once a week with the Bible with the barbers, this is material that is God's word that should inspire you to live a life centered on Jesus Christ. Now, I realize some of you are saying, well, I have my favorite TV show. I'm going to make a suggestion. Lent is coming up real quick. I'm just going to make the suggestion. Deny yourself some legitimate pleasure and replace it with reading the Bible. There you go. No, just it's just a, it's a great idea. Yeah, and yeah. I think that you'll be glad you did. Hey, you're listening to the Bible with the Barbers. We're talking on the uh, Book of Mark, uh, and it's the uh, what are we? Chapter seven or something? Chapter eight here. Chapter eight. We're chapter moving eight. forward. We'll be right back with much, much more. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. 
This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Oh, welcome back. And in, in verses 22 through 26, we have the, cure, the curing of a blind man at Bethsaida. And it's interesting because um, Jesus touches the blind man. It's beautiful because the touch of his hand. And 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 he uses spittle too. He's he, you know, and the blind man is um, he's not instantaneously cured, but the second time Jesus touches him, then he's cured. And again, Jesus tells him, you know, don't go into the village and don't tell anyone. Again, mm-hmm. the messianic secret, secret, because the people have the wrong idea. They they want Jesus to be the Messiah just because yes. he's going to feed them. They're never going to go hungry. He's going to cure everybody's diseases. He's going to cure every ill. He's going to take away all suffering, and nobody's going to have... That's, no, that, that wasn't the case. He didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. Amen. The Lord wants us to know joy. He wants us to know union with him, and that joy comes from union with him. So he made us for joy, yes, and that's why we should be joyful Christians, and we should be joyful because we have the Lord. And that's why the practice of the presence of God, that discipline of the mind to remember that God is with me at every moment. And he's, there's never a moment when he's not thinking of me. So I should be aware of his presence and that whatever I do, I should do for him and in reference to him. And then in verse 27, we have this profession of faith of Peter. They, they're at Caesarea Philippi and, and Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Oh, John the Baptist or Elijah? And then he says to the disciple, but who do you say that I am? 
And Peter answers for everyone. Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ. And he charges them not to tell. And again, the messianic secret. People have the wrong idea. They're going to try and make him their king, their bread king. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day, rise again. And he said this openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And Jesus, turning, saw the disciples, and he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but the side of men. And again, we, we try to run away from suffering, don't we? Mm. Jesus came to suffer. And he didn't come to suffer for the sake of suffering. Nope. He came to suffer to redeem what we had lost. Man had lost this union with God. God made us in a state where we wouldn't have had to suffer mm-hmm. if we'd have been faithful. But we weren't faithful. We turned away and we sinned. And when we sinned, we brought suffering into the world. God didn't make death. He didn't make suffering. And no, he didn't make all those sins out there that people commit. You know, murder and abortion and, you know, rape and incest. And God didn't make those things. God made man. And man, the evil comes out of the heart of man that is turned away from God. So turn our hearts back to the Lord and let the Lord be our Lord and keep his commandments. And then these evils don't occur. And so we pray for the conversion of sinners, our own conversion first, so that, and we pray that sins don't be committed. We ask God to send out his angels to inspire people not to commit those sins. There was a young woman, and I told this story before, who would have been killed by a, a serial killer, oh, yeah. ex, and Ted Bundy was the serial That's killer, right. Right. other than the fact that she had prayed a rosary, and she fell asleep in her dorm with her rosary in her hand, and when he opened her dorm room, he couldn't enter her room. The angels prevented that evil from happening because God said no, and because she had prayed for protection. Her mother had begged her to do this, and she promised her mother she would, and she kept that promise. You know, Mary, that's a beautiful story. And Our Lady of Fatima confirms Scripture in this also when she said, souls go to hell because there's no one there to sacrifice and to pray for them. And so what's the message to you and I? Every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. So even our disappointments, like you said about my car wouldn't start. I had a dead battery or my starter went down last week. Well, you know what? You offer that little inconvenience up to God so that all your prayers become efficacious. Right. And every action and and even our disappointments, you know, the crosses, toils and disappointments of life. Hey, guess what? God can use all of those things. You know, it, it, it inconveniences our life and, and we don't get to do the things we want. So what do I do? Go kick the dog and scream and yell at people all day because I had uh, my morning was disrupted. Or do I say, Lord, I can offer this inconvenience for you. And the time that I'm waiting to get my car fixed, I can pray. I can talk to the people in the shop and evangelize them, maybe give them, you know, something of the faith and you pass on a CD or there's so many opportunities, but if we just, you know, oh, grumble, grumble, grumble about what didn't happen and what went wrong. So, so the deal is here, 
Jesus talks about his suffering. Mm-hmm. And the apostle, right away, Peter's like, no, Lord, not you. You, you. you can't do this. <laughs> this is, you suffer, die, what? No. And, and, and Jesus is like, no, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking man's thoughts. You're not thinking God's thoughts. You're thinking man's thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that's, and again, he says, the man's thoughts. What are our thoughts? We shouldn't have to suffer. You know, God, God takes care of us. If we love God, everything should go well and everything's perfect in our life and we should always feel good. That's just not true. That's not the gospel Jesus came to preach, by the way. It's not about how we feel. It's about the commitment of our will to live in the presence of God and to do his will even when it hurts. And so Jesus says to them, and this is so important, and this is what we forget, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and to forfeit his life? For what can man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Are we ashamed of Christ in this adulterous and sinful generation? Are we so ashamed that we're going to tell people, you go ahead and live in your sinful, it's okay. God is so merciful, he's going to get you all into heaven anywhere. Dare we hope that no one goes to hell? I think not. And I'm going to say that quite frankly, because Jesus Christ said of Judas, it would have been better for him if he had never been born. It would have been better for the son of perdition if he had never been born. What's that implying? What hope can I have that he was saved if Christ said that? If there was any hope that he would be saved, how could it have been better if he had never been born? No. The only tragedy to Christ is the loss of our soul. Mm. Sin is not the greatest tragedy. Refusing to repent of our sins so that we refuse God and turn away from him and go to hell is the greatest tragedy. If you don't think hell is real, if you don't think human souls really go there, take a long, hard look at the cross and ask yourself, why did he go through all that suffering? What was he trying to save us from? And the flip side of that is, this is the greatest manifestation of heaven. This is how much God loves us. He's not standing over us with a big stick saying, I'm going to beat you up because you've been bad little children. He's saying, you are my children and I love you and I want you to live in freedom. But to live in freedom means to embrace your cross. Take up this suffering. Offer it in union with me. I suffered to redeem the meaning of your suffering and to save you from going to hell. The church, by the way, has said that Fatima is worthy of belief. That's right. Oh, yeah. And at Fatima, the Blessed Mother showed the children a vision of souls falling into hell. That's a fact. And the church says that's worthy of belief. So dare I hope that no one goes to hell? I think not. I I guess you kind of figured out where we stand on that issue by now, listening to the (laughs) Terry and Jesse show and Mary Danielle and the Barbers. I just want to warn people that Bishop Sheen says it this way, without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. And I think that that is so appropriate. And one of the challenges today in the church, and again, I'm not accusing, I'm just saying the facts are the facts. Many people in the church, I think, are falsely at the illusion that everybody's going to heaven. 
So yeah. I don't need to stay close to the sacraments. I don't need to live a life of grace because whatever happens to me, you know, God loves me so much. It's it's called fake mercy. Yeah. It's not how God works. Right. As a matter of fact, God actually loves you even when he sends you to hell. Yes, he does. He loves the souls in hell. He loves Satan. God is love. He can Thank do God nothing is. but love. Yep. The reality is that God gave you a free will, That's and right. he's not going to violate your free will. Very well said. We each have to choose God, deliberately choose him. Right. We need to make the choice for God. And if you're having a hard time, fine. That's, good. That's not a problem. There's no problem with your weakness. The problem is refusing to admit that sin is sin and refusing to repent. If you have a, a, a compulsive sin or a sin that you repeat over and over again, Fine, just continue to humble yourself before the Lord and keep asking him for the grace to overcome it. And what if God waits until the moment of your death to give you that grace? Just persevere in asking. Persevere in asking. We don't know how long it's going to take us to overcome any particular fault. But if we don't make the effort, if we say, you know what, forget it, it's too hard, no, It's not too hard. It's worth it. Heaven is worth it. Mm. What profit does a man show to gain the entire world and forfeit his life? What is Christ talking about? That you would go to hell for all eternity because you gained the whole world. What profit have you shown? Nothing. Nothing. So if we try and save our life in this world, we're going to lose it. But if we lose our life for Christ's sake, that is, if we say no to our flesh and make the effort to live in the presence of God, Receive the sacraments frequently and regular, and especially the sacrament of confession. We need to be going regularly to the sacrament of confession. Return to us, O Lord, a sense of sin and the sensitivity of the saints, Pope John Paul, St. John Paul prayed at the beginning of his pontificate. And we still need that. We still need to regain that sense of sin. We need to understand sin is a real offense against God who is real. You know, and a, a Jewish psychologist wrote that, Carl, Carl Menninger. Yep. He wrote that. Whatever happened to sin. Right. Whatever became of sin. You read it, guys. Read it. Sin is a real offense against God who is real, and therefore the guilt it produces is real guilt. You aren't feeling guilty because the Catholic Church has laid a guilt trip on you. Well, let, let me just put it this way, Mary Danielle. <laughs> when we go to confessions on Saturday evenings, the lines are very short compared to... Uh, the communion lines. Yeah, absolutely. And all I can say is bring back a sense of sin because in our church today, many people have no clue about what is offensive to God. They just don't have it. That's right. So we pray that we can bring back that sense of sin. Amen. Please, God, return to us a sense of sin. Go to confession, receive Holy Communion in the state of grace, live in the state of grace, and live in the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. We come back next week. We'll do another Bible study with you on the Gospel of Mark. We want to thank all of you who have been supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio, all the shows that we're doing. It's one year now. We've got our one-year anniversary, and we couldn't do it without you. So if you'd like to, uh, you know, say a prayer for us, continue to do that. If you'd like to be a monthly donor, you can call 877-526-2151 or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. We appreciate your prayers and your financial support. May God richly bless you. And don't forget, pick up that Bible. Read it every day. God love you. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, 
and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.